Ready? Hi everybody, I'm Lily and this is my dad. Hello. Welcome to our online service and we hope you have a good time watching. Yeah, we're so glad that you're here with us. And just, if you haven't been able to meet any of us in person, I wanted to say we have two services each Sunday at the Circle Theater at 9 a.m. and 10 a.m. And so that's a great way to come and meet some of the people that are a part of our community. We gather to sing and to pray and we'd love to see you there. Thank you for those of you who have been giving. We really appreciate it. Yeah. And if you would like to give, you can give, you can e-transfer to giving at APLston.com. Yeah, thank you so much for that. And guys, we just hope you have a great day. Enjoy the message from Hebrews chapter 11 and bless you. Have a great Sunday. Bye. Today's reading is Hebrews 11 verses 1 to 3 and verse 6. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Anchor Point Online for this last Sunday in June of 2021. And um, it's my privilege this morning to share from the Word of God from obviously we've been in the book of Hebrews for a number of weeks and it's my privilege to share from Hebrews chapter 11 this morning and when I was asked to share on this particular portion of scripture I immediately said yes and um, obviously it is one of the most famous portions of scripture I believe and many many people know great portions of it um, it's considered to be the hall of faith or the heroes of faith chapter similar to 1 Corinthians 13 being the love chapter, and it has a, a, a profound uh, list of uh, the characters of Scripture who throughout, from the beginning essentially, have been faithful to God and have walked by faith. And uh, so this morning as I share this, I would, uh, obviously I can't possibly share the, the entire depth of this chapter because there's just so much there. I've often compared... Um, stuff like this to trying to take a drink from a fire hydrant that's wide open and you can get all you get all you want uh, but there's a whole lot more going by you um, and it, and I would really encourage you to continue to read Hebrews chapter 11 uh, and meditate on it there's some key points that I want to touch on this morning we only have 20 minutes or so to share but I want to do that, and uh, hopefully that will be encouraging to you, and that you will be uh, built up and and uh, actually moved along in your life of faith in Jesus Christ. So let's begin with prayer, and uh, then I'll open um, with my thoughts on this, and uh, trust that you will be built up. Father in heaven, we come in Jesus' mighty name, and we are grateful for the finished work of the cross, Lord. We're grateful that we can actually look into Scripture and even in this particular chapter, we can see the faithfulness of God and the faith that your faithfulness has brought out in a variety of people throughout Scripture. We're grateful, God, that you do not choose the perfect, but you choose normal people who respond to you in faith. 
and through them, by your grace, amazing things have happened and will continue to happen. We're so grateful that the, the cross is the redemptive purpose of God in Jesus Christ, and we are also grateful, Lord Jesus, that you sent your Holy Spirit into the earth so that we can actually understand the depths of your character and your great love. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, as I uh, share from Scripture, there's a there's several uh, key characters that I want a couple of key characters that I want to touch on, and a couple of key verses that I want to uh, share from as well. And and first of all, Hebrews 11 starts with, um, and I'll probably quote a lot of this in King James because that's kind of what I've memorized throughout my life, and and there's some uh, you know some value to memorizing scripture. And I think for just a word of admonishment to you all or encouragement is that find a, find a version that you're really happy reading. It doesn't mean you shouldn't read others, but then learn the scriptures and memorize those scriptures. Cause I think it's important to know, to be able to recall the memory in various times of your life, what the scriptures actually say. So um, anyway, for me, King James has been kind of what I grew up with, and I memorized a lot of scripture in King James. So some of what I'll quote without reading, I'll quote from King James. Um, <clears throat> Hebrews 11, verse 1 says, Now faith is, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So there's, um, there's, uh, like there's so much in that, that that you could meditate on for days and days and days. And, and certainly I can't even begin to fill, um, you know, a, a total explanation of that. But the reality is that faith is, it says it's the substance of things hoped for. So there's, what substance has is it, it's substantial. I guess the word substantial comes from substance. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So, you can hope for things without faith, but the things of God that you hope for are based on faith. And it says in scripture, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So it doesn't say faith comes by hearing the word of God. It says, and this is, this is important, faith comes by hearing not by seeing, which is another uh, characteristic of faith. It's not what your eyes see. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you don't actually hear. Uh, you can't, like, the reason this is so crucial is that many, many people hear the word of God. They hear scripture read or they hear sermons preached, but they don't come to a place of faith. So faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. There's there's almost some unique calling that God, uh, that we're privileged as the followers of Jesus Christ to actually have ears to hear. It's you know Jesus said over and over again, um, and certainly in in Revelation it talks about this. He that has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. So if you have come to a place of faith in Jesus Christ. If you have come to a place where you trust him with your life and you want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ and you want to follow him, you've committed your life to him, that's something incredibly special and that uh, God has uh, has called you. And uh, I'm not saying that there's, uh, like, I mean, throughout the history of the church, there's been a, a lot of dialogue about predestination and free will and all of that. 
And, you know, is it predestination? Is it free will? I'm, I, I just declare to you it's both. There is God has predestined us to be adopted as children. But he's also given us the, the, the freedom to choose him as a response to, to him, uh, to what he's calling and what he's spoken. So as we go through this chapter, and I've only got um, 15 or 20 minutes to, to share, I want to share about two particular characters um, one being, and there's a long list of them, it starts with Abel and Enoch and Noah, and it talks about Abraham and Sarah, and then it goes on and on and on, and there's a, there's a number, towards the end of the chapter, there's a number of unmentioned names um, who all walk in faith. But the thing is, that there's two characters in particular that I want to touch on. One is Abraham, and the other is Moses. And as we go forward from here, um, there is uh, some some interesting things I want to share about those two guys and their their life, um, their walk of faith. Um, there is um, in verse six, it says, "Without faith." In verse six of Hebrews eleven, it says, "Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that comes to God." must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those. And in King James, it says, that diligently seek him. So, um, in some of the newer translations don't use the word, or don't include the word diligently. I like that word to be included, because I think we can, we can have, excuse me, we can have a sort of a casual seeking after God. Well, if he's there, you know, blah, blah, blah. But the, the point being, there there is something in God that he's a rewarder of those. In other words, he comes and responds to those who diligently seek him. And I think the, the, the key point here in this verse is that we need, as God's people, to have diligence in the pursuit of God. We need to have an attitude of seeking him with all of our hearts. Um, I think half-heartedness and double-mindedness is something that's definitely... Um, you know, rebuked in Scripture over and over again. So it's it's important that we, um, you know, we pursue God diligently. And then the the response, God's response to that diligent, He is a rewarder of those. So there is a reward in seeking God diligently. It's not like you just keep doing it and hope something's going to happen, and that you know that well, I'll just keep doing this forever, and and there's no no transaction with God. There is. He says he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So let's let's be a people in this day and age where there's so much confusion and so much going on in the world that's not God. Let's be those that diligently seek him and rightly, as Paul admonished Timothy, um, to be a workman that doesn't need to be ashamed. Um, rightly he said, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, or rightly interpreting, or rightly understanding the word of truth. So let's not fool ourselves, folks. Every cult, every kind of pseudo-Christian thing that's going on, a lot of what they do and what they're based on is scripture, but it's the inappropriate, wrong interpretation of scripture and I'm telling you today that we're living in a day and an age 
where that is happening all around us, even within the church. There's all kinds of theories and theologies that are going on that are not an accurate and true interpretation of God's word. And they need to be, people need to be able to read the word, pray that God would give them light, and that they would understand the truth of what God's word is truly saying. Okay? So anyway, that's a bit of a rabbit trail, but here we go. So... Without faith, it's impossible impossible to please God. When we're talking about Abraham and faith, uh, he's referred to as the father of faith. And certainly in Romans, I think in Romans 5, it talks about how his justification, it really goes into the whole justification by faith, uh, a profound uh, teaching on that. But it says he was justified by faith, and that faith was before circumcision. So for the Jewish people, and this is written to the Hebrews, and I think there's there's a significance here. Um, for the Jewish people, the whole act of circumcision and, and all the legalism, all the, all the law, was their method in their mind's eye of justification. And what, what the Apostle Paul was admonishing them in, in the book of Romans, and certainly the whole book of Hebrews is filled with that is that um, the just shall live by faith. And, and certainly that's a, that's a profound uh, concept. Um, when Martin Luther, um, who's the father of the Reformation, when he came to, who was a Roman Catholic priest um, and educator, when he came to a realization in his heart that this scripture was true, found in Habakkuk 2, verse 4, and in several other places in the New Testament, it's repeated. Romans 1, 17, Galatians 3, 11, Hebrews 10, verse 38, which was last week's message. Um, the just shall live by faith. And when he came to grips with that, he realized that all this other religious claptrap that had become such an inherent part of, of Christianity in its day, or Roman Catholicism, prior to the Reformation, he began to meditate on this, and that was the central theme of the Reformation, the just shall live by faith. It wasn't through all this other religious stuff. It was a response to God in faith. So uh, here, here with, Mo, with, uh, sorry, with Abraham, we have um, a, 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 a character in Scripture who is considered to be the father of faith. And he responded to God's call way back in Genesis, in the, in the middle chapters of Genesis. He responded to God's call to come out of Ur of the Chaldees, and he ended up in Haran, and uh, some of his family passed away. And then God called him into um, to, to go to Canaan land. And there he lived, and it says he dwelt in tents, along with his sons, um, his son Isaac, and ultimately Jacob. And there, there's, you know, there, uh, there's a coexistence of these guys. It's not like one died and then another one, you know, they, they lived together. And they dwelt in tents. And I think that there's a significance there that I want to point out, that we are just passing through here. We're, there's, there is here no... Um, um, right here and now in this life they're you know living on the earth right now there is no we need to consider this more of a, a, a temporary dwelling rather than this is it the whole deal and a lot of our attitude is uh, you know in, in the normal life experiences 
is all about what what what's this all about? What's this all about in this life? But what's this all about is really um, this is just a stepping stone into a greater reality, which is the eternal reality of God. It's not that the one ends, but there's a continuum that we need to look forward to. And what we do today as God's people in response to his word, in response by faith, is not just what we get out of it now in this life, but it's what is the eternal consequence of our obedience to God. That's the thing that is key here in this in this book. So I'm really going to kind of hammer away at us here that we need to have an attitude adjustment that is so different from sort of even the normal Christian, uh, North American Christian perspective on our Christian life. We need to see our um, life in Christ as something that is um, has a purpose for eternity and that what we're doing every day is by faith. We're walking by faith and not by sight, okay? Now, Abraham believed God, it says in Romans 5, I think, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. So, God, and what were the promises of God in, um, I think in Romans 5, I have to look this up briefly, but, um, no, it's in Romans 4, actually, where it's, and, and again, I'm quoting King James because I love the way this is written. It says that Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Now, you know the story of Abraham, and, and God promised him a son. And he said that through this son, his, his seed would be like the multitude of the stars in heaven and the grains of sand on the seashore. So like an innumerable company of people that would come from the son of Abraham and him being as good as dead in terms, he was an old man and Sarah was barren, had never had children. And the promise of God comes to him. And, the, and what scripture records in Romans 4 is that he, it says he staggered not at the promise of God. I want to tell you today that many of the promises of God are staggering. They're like, how can this be? How can this even come to pass? It's overwhelming to our natural thinking sometimes, to things that God has promised. But it says Abraham staggered not at the promise of God, but was strong in faith. He responded to God, believing God. And it says he hoped beyond hope. There was no natural reason to hope. And people, there are times in our life where there's no natural reason to hope. But what did God say? That's the thing that we need to come to grips with. What has God said? What has he spoken over you? What are his promises in his word concerning you and his people? Those are the things that we need to, to, to hone into and really zero into and, and end up landing on constantly. He staggered not at the promise of God, was strong in faith, giving glory to God. See, the response, we're, we're talking about the, the, the whole earth shall be filled with his glory, um, the glory of the Lord, as the waters cover the sea. That's a promise of God. So how does that happen? How does this whole earth be filled with his glory? Well, it, it happens as we respond in faith to him and stay faithful to him. That's the key thing. He staggered not the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith. And what was the end result of that? He gave glory to God. That brings glory to God. If you respond in faith to God, that brings glory to him. 
because ultimately you will walk that out. Now, this is not just about I believe, because here it is, and, and Abraham made some mistakes along the way, okay? Like, he, you know, the whole issue with Ishmael and, you know, Sarah giving him, giving Hagar the concubine to Abraham and say, well, maybe this is how God, maybe this is how God's going to do it. Well, he followed that line of reasoning and it didn't work out very well, you know, and the end result of that still, we're still suffering from. But the reality is he, nonetheless, God came to him and said, and, you know, he presented Ishmael to God and said, well, you know, let, let Ishmael be the one. And God said, no. There's a child of promise, and boy, there's a lot of scripture concerning this. And it's like God's promises are impossible sometimes. Well, a lot of times, most of the time, the promises of God seem impossible. But here it is. Um, with man, it seems impossible. But with God, nothing should be impossible. So whatever you're going through today, folks, God loves you, and he loves you enough that he's not going to leave you there. But meditate on his word, find out what his promises are. And when you find them, pray through them and find out what he's speaking specifically over your life or the life of, you know, whatever loved ones you have and whatever situation you're in. And God will, he will come through ultimately. Now, is it going to happen tomorrow? Well, that's the other thing is, uh, you know, there's a patience required in all of this. And Abraham waited 25 years, apparently, between the initial promise and the fulfillment. 25 years is a long time, and we get discouraged. And certainly the letter to the Hebrews is written to encourage the discouraged. And so we can meditate on the book of Hebrews and glean so much encouragement from it because it was written to people who were kind of wanting to give up because it didn't seem to work. Well, we need to be faithful and continue on and press on and don't give up. Never give up. Men ought always to pray. It says in Luke, I think, 18. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. Why does it say it that way? Men ought always to pray and not to faint. Because if if it doesn't happen in a fairly... We're, we're essentially impatient people. If it doesn't happen fairly quickly when we pray, we sort of lose heart and we move on. Or we say, well, this, obviously this isn't going to happen. But is, that's not the way to respond in faith. The response of faith is, God, what, what, you know, what? And we believe you for this. And uh, we're longing to see your kingdom come. And your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, um, over and over again in the New Testament, faith is the key thing. Jesus, in all the miracles... Where Jesus did miracles, he said, go your way, your faith has made you whole, or your faith has saved you. Repetitively, if you read this, the Gospels, you'll see that. Um, and then he, re he rebuked his disciples when they had the storm on the waters, and they were afraid they were going to drown, these hardened, seasoned fishermen. And Jesus is sleeping in the back of the boat, and and then, you know, he says to them when he wakes up, he says, oh, ye of little faith, you know, like, what? Um, so... Uh, and, you know, um, over and over again, uh, Jesus uh, encourages people who respond to him in faith. So let's be those people in this our day, okay? Um, he said of, uh, I think it was the centurion that came to him about his son. 
He said, I have not seen such great faith, no, not in Israel, because he believed God. And he said, he said literally to Jesus, you don't have to come to my house. You just have to say the word and it'll happen. So let's have that kind of attitude towards God. You don't have to, you don't have to make yourself visible to us. Just speak the word and it'll come to pass. Amen. Um, and the one thing, uh, I think I touched on this earlier, kind of scattered a little here, but it said that Abraham lived in tents with Isaac and Jacob. And that spoke, and I kind of tied that into um, the fact that there was a, it, tents have a temporary sort of, it's a temporary dwelling. So there's a tremendous significance in that, that we're just passing through here. We're not, we're not you know, don't build your mansion in the provincial park down the road because that kind of attitude, right? Um, it says in Hebrews eleven ten for Abraham, he, Abraham was looking forward to the city that had foundations, whose designer and builder is God. So he had a forward look um, and he wasn't just all tied up in the, in the here and now. Um, Jesus said, and I'm just trying to find this, this scripture in my notes here. Jesus said um, that when the, when um, he had a dialogue with the Pharisees, he said, I can't find the scripture, but anyway, I'll refer to it. Um, he said to the Pharisees who came in, they were always trying him on for size, always testing him. He said, uh, he's talking, referring to Abraham. He said, Abraham saw my day. And they said, well, you aren't even 50 years old. Have you seen Abraham? And um, the reality is that there is there is some significance here. And then Genesis 22, it talks about the whole, God's calling Abraham to, he first of all, he promises Isaac. 25 years later, Isaac comes past. He, he shows up on the scene, praise the Lord. The promise is fulfilled. This is the one. And then Isaac is, you know, walking and talking and, and God says to him, to Abraham, now I want you to take your son, your only son, Isaac, and go and sacrifice him on the mountain that I'm going to show you. Wow. So, that's a kick in the head, isn't it? So, in Genesis 22, I want to refer to this. Um, this is when God had called Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, obviously, and and um, he, he didn't hesitate it just he did it he just it, there's no indication whatsoever um that he hesitated it says he rose early in the morning i would suggest that's even the next day like he didn't wait he just he didn't try and rationalize anything or just figure it all out he just obeyed and then he went on his way with his servants and isaac and he had the wood and he had everything except obviously, as Isaac referred to later, um, the lamb. And then verse 22, or 22 verse 4, it says, On the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Just pause there for a moment, and we're going to swing over to John chapter 8 and verse 56 when Jesus is having a dialogue with the Pharisees about 
He said that if anyone believes in him, he would never die. And the Pharisees, well, Abraham's dead and all the prophets are dead, etc., etc. But um, Jesus says in verse uh, 56 of your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. Um, Abraham, it says on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes in Genesis 22, verse 4, and saw the place from afar. I want to suggest to you that there's a, there's a profound double meaning in this portion of Scripture here, in that there was, Abraham's referred to as a prophet in Scripture, there's a prophetic vision that he saw in that he, obviously, I believe there's a natural sense in which he saw, he looked up and he saw the mountain on which he had to sacrifice his son Isaac from afar. And that's probably, you know, the initial meaning or a partial meaning of it. But I believe there was a prophetic sense in what he saw as well when uh, and I'm going to reference this in just a couple of minutes on, on a couple of subsequent verses. But he saw something in the spirit that Jesus said he rejoiced to see my day. So there was something that he saw on that day when he looked up and saw the mountain from afar. And, um, and uh, Jesus referred to it as I've just referenced in John, um, John 8. Now, a little later on. Abraham said to the young men who were with him, his servants, he said, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. So here's what I believe this represents. Even though he had Abraham at every intention, complete confidence that God had called him to do this, he had equal confidence that both he and Isaac would return to the young men. So what that's representing is a confidence in resurrection, the resurrecting power of God. And that's what I want to reference here, that, that Abraham saw something in the distance that Jesus referred to in John 8. He saw his day and was glad, uh, Jesus said. Abraham saw, and there is something profound that took place there where he, he recognized that God was even able to raise the dead and that Isaac would actually return. So even though he would, it was ready to sacrifice him, I believe he would have carried it out right to the, right to the end had God not intervened. Um, he knew that, that God's promise that the seed would be, Abraham's seed would be as a, the stars of the sky and the sand of the seashore would be fulfilled through Isaac's progeny. So, I don't know what you're going to do with that, but I found I just find that incredibly profound. And anyway, I thought I'd share it with you. So there's one the Abraham referred to as the father of faith, and there's a, an incredible amount of encouragement in that, and certainly the rest of the the scriptures that refer to Abraham. One of the things that that I'd like to talk about um, is uh, in this chapter in verses. Uh, 10, 14, and 16 of um, Hebrews 11. And I'm just going to quickly uh, read these. Verse 10. Um, For he was, and this is talking about Abraham, he was looking forward to the city that had foundation, whose designer 
and builder is God. So there is a sense of the temporariness of this life and something forward-looking, eternity and, you know, the kingdom of God. In verse 14, it says, um, For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. So there's something uh, birthed in them that sees the temporariness of where they temporality of where they are and that there is something going you know something bigger going on the verse 16 but as it is they desire a better country that is a heavenly one so here this is a, f a further deepening of this thought process therefore god is not ashamed to be called their god for he has prepared for them a city and certainly if you get into the book of Revelation, there's a new Jerusalem coming down from above, and there's a you know, th this all ties together, folks. This is the city of God, and you know, um, this is what they were looking forward to. That's what we need to look forward to as God's people. And um, a lot of what is taught today in the church is all about the, uh, all about the here and now and what you can get out of you know, serving God in the here and now, and, and there's truth to that, but that can't be our primary focus. We need to have a, a deeper and complete understanding of scripture and what God ultimately, that we have eternal life in Jesus Christ and that it's not just about right here and right now, it's about eternity uh, with him. And that, you know, eye has not seen or ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him, but God has revealed them unto us by his spirit. So let's, uh, let's be men and women who follow God and are obedient to him and uh, are led by the spirit of God. They that are led by the spirit of God they are the sons of God or the children of God. So, amen. Praise the Lord. So, um, the other character that I want to refer to this morning is, Mo is Moses. And uh, also a, a deep, you know, it's not, um, Moses, uh, you will read about him a little bit in verses uh, 24 to 26 here. Um or it starts a little earlier, but these are the verses that I want to I want to refer to. It says, "By faith, we recognize that Moses was a unique individual, and that he was raised in Pharaoh's household as a you know a, a child of Pharaoh, essentially, <clears throat> and had tremendous position. Not you know in in the sense that he was he was he would have inherited uh, you know incredible power and position had he just stuck it out. But it says here, by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. And there again, I want, I want you to see that there's a forward looking here that goes beyond the temporal. And in his case, um, there was... You know, God, he saw something uh, in response. And I don't know where this all developed in his life, probably when he was a young person. And, of course, the Spirit of the Lord was uh, constantly at work in him. God was always at work at him, with him. But here it is that he, he chose rather to suffer, it says in King James, affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. So um, to choose to suffer is masochism. If you just choose to suffer for suffering's sake, that's masochistic, and that's there's something wrong with you. But if you choose to suffer for a greater good, 
If you choose to lay aside something that uh, is naturally really appealing and good, it seems good, in order to go higher, to follow God, and that's why often when people are called to mission work or called into the ministry or you know they lay down a good job in order to take on some menial task in a church setting, people look at them like, what's the matter with you? Like, that's not right. That's that's weird. But the point is that, that there's a certain amount of, of laying down things in order for God to ultimately have his way in your life. And um, this is a classic example. Moses chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. So, here it is. This is, a, this is a little catchy phrase I learned years ago. The good, good, is always the greatest enemy of God's highest and best. So a lot of times we will settle for something good when God has something bigger that he wants to draw us into. And as the Church of Jesus Christ in 2021, in the earth, in this our day, we need to be an obedient people, and we need to follow him with all of our hearts. So, folks, if you're on the... On the uh, on the in the purposes of God, and you want to follow Him, do so with all your hearts. Don't give them any heart half-heartedness, because there you know there's a whole spewing out of your mouth for the lukewarm that's talked about in in the Laodicean church in in Revelation. So let's not be those people. Let's instead be people who are ignited by the Spirit of God to see His kingdom come and His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Um, I think I'm kind of out of time. I love you. Trust that this has been kind of encouraging. It's kind of been all over the place a little bit, which is typical of me. But uh, I uh, love you. Trust that God's kingdom is coming, being established in your hearts and collectively in the church. And um, amen. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for your word and we trust that your kingdom is come and your will is being done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you for the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ. And thank you for your Holy Spirit being poured out. Lead and guide us into all truth by your Spirit, Lord. And bless the people of Anchor Point Church. And uh, may your kingdom come and your will be done in Alliston and surrounding area as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.